working, but yep, check one too. Look, if I have to give my starting quarterback all this guaranteed money, I'm going to make sure the man is standing upright and never injured. That's why I need the big boys on the end. We talking tackles on the push-off. everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Push Off Podcast, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week, and it's still getting you ready for that NFL draft. It's coming up in just a month away. I'm your host, Scott Hogan, and joining us as always, it's... Dan Hogmolly was the name of a girl I dated. Right. No. Hogmolly? No, no. no, no. Molly Hog, like her last name is Hog. <laughs> It's, she was a big girl. It's she also played left nickname. tackle. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great nickname. Uh, Dan, yeah, we are back, and we're back uh, pretty quick after the interior offensive line to wrap up the offensive line with our deep dive into prospects this week. Uh, dude, I this particular one, you know how much I love offensive line play, mm-hmm. um, especially when I can actually get some videos. And this one, this week, people like tackles more than they like making, you know... Highlight film for guards. Yeah. So it was a lot more film. I was able to watch really good matchups and came away with a, a few surprising conclusions. Nice. I will say. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I like uh, what I seen and tackles. Yeah. Tackles are a big thing. We talking. We had three tackles in the top ten last year, right? Didn't Cross go to Seattle there right before top he ten did. was up? So yeah. I mean, it's a big position now. It's one of the best. You need you need to protect your big guy. You need to protect your quarterback. Um. Let me run us through what has happened in free agency in just a few short uh, days since the last time we've been in your ear. The Ravens are bringing in Nelson Aguilar for wide receiver. Um, Ravens don't seem to, you know, worry about big names on wide receiver. They just pull people out there. Yeah, it's uh, they're really bargain basement shopping for a long, long time now, and it's you're kind of bummed out. I mean, Hollywood Brown was taken in the first round, but they traded him for a reasonable pick. Uh, but they just have not reloaded that offense, man. I mean, you know, they're everything that Lamar has is kind of dying on the vine. Lamar, by the way, I don't know if we have time to talk about what's going on with Lamar. Shit's bizarre over there. Yeah. So, you know, I, the more and more this goes on, the more and more I don't think he's going to be a Raven next year. Yeah, I mean, no, the, the last few reports have come out there seem to be that the, that he's done talking to him, that it's not going anywhere. But is it going anywhere else like if it is there's the rumor mill has been very quiet about Lamar Jackson and maybe that's because he's the only one they're talking to he doesn't know when and when not to leak information and teams aren't going to want to do it especially when you're talking to a quarterback so yeah i don't i know he's he's missing out on some money uh being his own agent he's got to be well, I guess we'll find out, right? We've talked about this a lot, that we're not going to know until five or six days before the draft. Yeah. You know, yeah. five or six days before the draft, that's the that's the deadline. He either signs his offer sheet or, you know, 
somebody else offers him something and then the Ravens have to match. So I don't think they're going to do it now. I don't think I think it's going to be a while. There's some conspiracy theories that are like, hey, the Colts are trying to do something, yeah. um, which I mean makes sense if you're like, hey, I think we like two or three guys in this draft, and I think they'll be gone by the time of four. You go, well, I'd rather get Lamar Jackson and reload, especially with the offensive line they've got we're and ta- the defense. Yeah, or we're talking about the uh, who's going to blink first between New York and Green Bay. What if New yeah. York uses this as like a hey, well, well we're if we don't get. Rodgers, it would almost feel like they're kind of forced to get into the uh, Lamar Lamar Jackson stuff. So it's like you might as well start now to be like, look, if you don't want to finally put paper, you know, pen to paper on this trade for Aaron Rodgers, then we'll go somewhere else. Or we have the ability to at least. You don't hold us over a fire. Yeah, because you got to figure Salah's like, listen, I've seen – I've seen people win with a running quarterback. With this defense, we can win with a running quarterback. So, yeah, fuck it. Let's go. Maybe you'd be in a better situation in a few years if you do the Lamar Jackson thing than with Aaron Rodgers, honestly. Who's to say at this point? It's two very interesting off-season topics that we have to sit on and wait. And you're right. I think both are going to happen right before the NFL draft. Um, (laughs) Another wide receiver getting picked up. Panthers are bringing in DJ Chark. Uh Look, look, the Panthers, uh, this is a tweet, um, and if it's correct, it's it's a neat little stat now, have spent roughly $87 million on skill players in free agency already. Yeah, that's a ton of money. Thielen, Miles Sanders, uh, Hayden Hurst at tight end, Dalt- and this is also counting uh, Dalton at QB. Yeah, I mean, the fact that, yeah, I mean, anytime you sign a quarterback, it's a lot of money. Yeah. But, uh yeah, I, I feel like they're moving in the right direction in Carolina. You know, I don't know how competitive they're going to be, but they seem to be adding guys that are good in the locker room, productive at their positions. Like, they're making functionally intelligent decisions. It just seems like they're they're kind of overpriced for the decisions that they're making. That's my one concern. Everyone likes the, uh, the coaching hire of Frank Reich, and then they like the people he's hired underneath him uh, so far. And, and that's kind of gotten a little push up here and I think that helps you in free agency but yeah you're on the clock right now you have the first overall pick we don't know what quarterback that is going to be but that's what it's going to be you're not racing anybody right now so filling up your offensive room with weapons now I guess that helps out your young guy to to get him going but mm, you, you, you you have some leeway here and some years to build and stuff so if it's Andy Dalton throwing him the passes, you made you made some wrong left turns. But I, I get the fact that you want a guy like Thielen, you know, in the wide receiver room for anybody else you bring in, and for a young quarterback, you'd yep. love to have a wide receiver that's like, dude, I'm just gonna get open, just throw it to me, like I'm gonna catch everything you send my way. He'll like, be at the spot. Just understand yeah, it. That's true. That's a good point. Um, and we like Chark. We we talked about Chark coming out. So yeah, uh, Panthers add another weapon uh, to that wide receiver room that completely changed this year and then Seahawks bringing back Bobby Wagner yeah I mean that's a it's still a lot of money for Bobby Wagner what was it seven million dollars for a one-year deal but yeah you know Wagner's also got to be looking at this like okay this is kind of my retirement tour you know like you know he had a very long career uh there in Seattle and I mean he's what is he 32 yeah he's 32 years old be 33 at a pursuit linebacker position when this is all up. Just hang it up, and yeah. it's not a big deal. Still come down to a very gr- good uh, career. Uh, mm-hmm. He's got at least one ring, right? Seattle had, yeah, just the whole. Yeah, just the one. Beaten, beaten up on De- uh, Denver. And then um, yep. you've got 
him yeah just in la for that one season i i don't want to say spy but it just kind of makes a lot of sense that he comes <laughs> back now and now he knows all of the defensive tricks that mcveigh and crew do i don't know oh no i, th- I think it was more of like a uh you know he was from la you know yeah. he's born and raised in la yeah so he's probably just like ah, i think this would be good and i've lost a step okay and i'm too much money okay i'll see you guys later and he goes back to seattle it makes sense he's He's not a bad player, no, but no. he is a player with a diminishing skill set. And when that happens, you and they're like, "Hey, would you like to take a hometown discount?" He's like, "No, fuck that. I'm still worth money." He he did fine on that sure. deal, by the way. Uh, to see <laughs> to uh, you're saying even this I mean, one made sounds good like money. yeah, a good amount for one more year. Yeah, um, it's still good. It's still good money. Bobby Wagner has. Uh, you know, I, he was most productive in his first three or four seasons, obviously, and then you know he deserved that second contract. But uh, the contract he got with LA was was kind of insane, if we're being honest. The final bit of news before offensive tackles: uh, we have a trade. The Carolina Panthers are trading the kicker Zane Gonzalez to San Francisco. Uh, just conditional swaps of late round picks in there, so. You know, you're getting a, an earlier one for this later one, whatever. But Zane Gonzalez going to San Francisco, who is done paying Robbie Gold, who is still out there in free agency as far as I understand. Yeah, I mean, I, I get this. You know, Robbie Gold didn't do kickoffs, and, you know, eventually you can't go with a 40-plus-year-old kicker. You've got to make a change. And Zane Gonzalez is fine. Um, I don't know if he's better than Robbie Gold is right now, but I know he's better than Robbie Gold will be in two years. Yeah. Yeah, and Robbie Gold, yeah, you're right. I think his length is is gone now, and he's a very accurate kicker, but if you need guys that can hit from 55-plus anymore in this yeah. league. All right, Dan, we are time to talk about these offensive tackles. Um, all of that, that's that's the uh, free agency and stuff in the news so far now that we're in about week three of that. Uh, we are just about ready to wrap up the offensive prospects. We have running backs after this. That'll finish offense, and then it's into defense. Um, and running backs are their own interesting things. But today, we're talking offensive tackles. Um, before I talk about what you're thinking of the tape, Dan, well, no, let's start there, and then I'll tell you kind of where I'm seeing these guys lining up. Okay. You want my number one? No, because um, I want to guess it. Uh, okay. Okay, well, I'll start here then. I, the way I see it and the way that it, these guys have seen to be broken up, we are talking – you said seven guys today. Uh, mm-hmm. We added one in that'll kind of be a bridge guy from last week. But I say that there is a group of three guys that are first round guys. And then yes. there's a drop off, and there's a group of another three where we're not talking about all three. We're talking two of the three that are uh, about early second round guys, maybe in the first. They're like their next group of guys. It's another three. Okay. And then it's another drop-off. And then uh, we're talking the last guy of your list here, That, as far as I understand it, or believe. That's where I believe we're going to be today. Interesting. And I Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's pretty close. It's pretty close. Um, I think there's three firsts, a second, two-thirds, and a fourth. Okay. Okay. So there's one guy out there kind of on his own, and that'll be interesting in who... Yeah, where you find this break is. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so I'll take a guess as we've been doing for this this year's one. Your uh, top prospect of offensive tackle. Like I said, there's three guys to choose from here. I like you, and you're telling me I might be surprised if it's not one of these three guys. That would be quite surprising. But mm-hmm. uh, my guess is 
and I it's the top guy on most of these ones. Well, like I said, it could be any of these three, but I'm going to go with again. You seem to be in love with Ohio State and these Buckeyes this year, so I'm going to say it's Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State. You, you are so close. Ah, yeah. Well, you picked the right school. Oh, okay. Well, I'm surprised that it is the other guy than Dewan Jones. Uh, who do you want to start with first? Uh, let's start with Dewan Jones. He's my number one. Um, he was weirdly my number one with a bullet. So this is going to sound very odd because you made a point last week and I was, you were like, Hey, you've been a big fan of Ohio state this season. Yeah. And I was like, ah, this is bullshit. And then of course, like two of my three, <laughs> just to give it a little bit away, two of my three top rated offensive tackles in this one are Ohio state Buckeyes. Ah, God damn it. Okay. It's like, God, they're so good. Uh, Dewan Jones is number one. First thing that comes out on tape, fucking enormous. My God, what an enormous human being. Six foot eight. Do you know what his weight is, Scott? Oh, God, I have it down. Uh, yeah, 374 pounds is what it's down. What? Yeah, the and, fuck? You're right, and in parentheses, I wrote huge. <laughs> He's enormous. He has almost 12-inch wide hands and almost 37-inch long arms. Yeah, yeah. the man is massive. A massive I human. can't. They they made it equivalent to the guy that it's like Trent Brown. They said, oh, it's Trent Brown. Yeah. Uh, Trent Brown is massive. It's one of the few guys that I can think of. And Trent Brown wasn't even this big. Mm-hmm. Dewan Jones is an absolute monster. Dewan Jones has maybe, so this is this is a thing that isn't just about size. Dewan Jones has maybe the strongest and best placed hands for an offensive tackle I have seen in years. This man's hands are in incredible hey there's a few knocks on dewan jones uh his hands are elite and i i literally can't remember a guy that had better hand placement since joe thomas than dewan jones that is as high of a compliment as i can give an offensive lineman's hands um when he gets his hands on you it is over and he faced elite guys in the big 10 he faced elite pass rushers yeah and his senior film is so much better than his junior film which means he was a big motherfucker last year, or mm-hmm. sorry, 2021. He was the same big motherfucker in 2022, but guys just didn't touch C.J. Stroud coming off the right side. It just didn't happen. Dewan Jones is too big for most guys to get around. He is too strong to be bull rushed. He is too large to effectively be uh, speed rushed. The only thing he is susceptible to is wide, wide nine sets, but everybody is. Like, literally everybody is. Um, people say his feet are a little too narrow set, but honestly, for a guy this size, where do you want them to be? Right. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't have too wide of a kick set. Otherwise you're, you're basically falling over. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think his feet are fine. I actually think his feet are very, very good. Um, I think Dewan Jones could play left tackle. Okay, well, and so that's where I was heading to, and that's where my questions are about this. The reason why Paris Johnson Jr., I'm saying, and the reason why he is usually considered in the top group of uh, tackles here is because he played the left side. DeWan played the right side. Watching the tape, do you know why Ohio State did that? Uh, I think Ohio State did that to handle speed speed rushers better on the blind side. Okay. Because that is the advantage for Paris Johnson. Well, so here's the thing. I don't want to get too much into Paris Johnson right now, but right. Paris Johnson is absolutely a top 20 pick at yeah. the left tackle position. Okay, He's a little bit smaller, faster, and honestly, probably more athletic in a general mold of a left tackle. So I get it. And if you want to run behind a guy, though, 
it's Dewan Jones. If you need a guy to absolutely maul a motherfucker all game, it's Dewan Jones. Paris Johnson gives you a lot of versatility. He can handle speed rush. He can handle pass rush. But Dewan Jones is just so strong, it is almost overpowering. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few holes in Paris Johnson's game as well. And so if if I have to choose between a guy that's got holes in his game or a guy that is that has holes in his game but is twice the fucking size, I'm going to go with the guy that's twice the fucking size. I don't know how long Dewan Jones will be able to play in the NFL. This is going to sound weird. He's maybe too big, you know? Well, He's maybe too big. That's how a long lot can of he weight. play safely? Yeah, that's a lot of weight running around on them knees and jumping yeah, and having to move. And yeah, that's you're right. Um, so I think the best thing for him is to stay on the right side where you're asked to do less and maybe have a more prolonged career. And you know, I think that's probably your best bet. The bigger monsters in my mind, I think, are on the right side. I think of uh, um, Bryant McKinney and stuff like that for the Vikings, like that size. Now, the, you brought up Orlando or Trent Brown. Orlando Brown Draft Network dot com said who's moved over to right. Yeah, the the Orlando Brown Jr. Right. Yes, they mean Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah. yeah. So Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah, that's a pretty good equivalent. Except I think his feet are better. Wow. Um, I think his punch is better. And Orlando Brown just signed a big-ass contract. Yeah, yeah. Um, Orlando Brown was also kind of a sloppy big boy. Uh, Dewan Jones is fucking yoked. You're in love with Dewan Jones. You're in love with Dewan Jones. Are we saying, are we saying that we have our third and it would be second elite prospect out of Ohio State, third out of in the uh, push-off prospects? We are not. Oh, okay, okay. He is wonderful. I like him. I think he is worthy of a top 10 pick. That is how good he is. However, there are some functional things. Him getting to the second level is a little lumbering. Some of his steps are a little lumbering. I don't know if there's another way for a 374-pound man to move other than lumbering. Uh, What do you you want? You want a guy dancing and doing cartwheels? It doesn't make any fucking sense. But the body... The body build is fantastic for a man his size. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of functional weight. It's not just, you know, burly sitting in the middle of his body. Like, it's he's broad across the chest and back. He's got thick trunks. He's got, like, this is a well-built dude at 374. Just an absolute fucking monster. However, yes, I think the feet are good. I think the feet are good enough to play left tackle. They are not good enough to be one of the top 10 left tackles in the league. I think he could be one of the top 10 right tackles in the league. But in order to be graded as an elite prospect, it means I think you're going to be able to play whatever position in the NFL, like, you know, given like left tackle, right tackle, and play that at an elite level. I think he could probably be an elite right tackle. I don't know if he could be an elite left tackle. Um, You're saying top 10 draft pick. That's amazing. That is nowhere near where he's getting put. Well, near. Um, Sure. Just whatever, you know, uh, in in retrospect. But it's... um, he is not the in the first group of three guys that I've been seeing in all of these mocks and everyone's uh, order of tackles. He is in the second group. The second group landing at the end of the first round, start of the second round. Look, the Bengals pick at 28. The the Chiefs, who did lose Orlando Brown Jr., pick at 31. I think those are the mm-hmm. ones that are, wouldn't let the, a guy like this go. But he's nowhere near the top 10. He's nowhere near in that in mocks. So I think he's going to be there if somebody needs a tackle in the middle of the first round, and you want to spend a draft pick on this guy, he's going to be there. 
If the Cowboys got Dewan Jones at 26, I would be fucking ecstatic. Yeah, yeah. I think I have a feeling you're, it's going to be at least one of those guys on Thursday where you're going to be sitting there going, oh, my God, <laughs> take him. As I think he's going to yeah. be there from what I've seen. I'm, I would be clamoring for a guy. Honestly, this is weird. I've, I've now thought about it, right? See, we're talking about uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. We're talking about Michael Mayer. And we're talking about Dewan Jones, who all might be available at 26. They all might be available for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and any of these three guys, I'd be just fucking ecstatic. Yeah. Guys, um, guys that you were really falling in love with after this tape are not like top 10 talking yeah. yet. So the and, tape is great. Just watch the Dewan Jones tape because you're going to see the strength. The strength pops off the film immediately. Okay. Um, but he's really consistent in his footwork and he's really athletic for a man his size. And then again, there's just the size. I mean, the strength shows up functionally against grown-ass men. The size, you, I was almost shocked at how big he was after watching the film. I was like, that can't be true. That man moved too well for that to be true. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, just a ton of upside. Like I said, I don't know how long he can carry weight like that, but whatever he can and however many years he can, I think he's going to be an excellent right tackle till his body breaks down. <sighs> So from here, do you want to stay in Ohio State, talk about the other guy that we've been bridging, or do we want to guess on your number two? Because I'm guessing, you, I think you said Paris Johnson's your three. Paris Johnson is my three, so let's go to the number two. Okay. Well, actually, no, let's let's stay with Paris Johnson since we know what I'll my I'll come back, I'll three. guess your two after. Okay. Yeah, so Paris Johnson, uh, the guy's from Cincinnati, hometown kid. Well, not from Columbus, he's from Cincinnati. Um, in terms of athletic builds, uh this dude is very athletic. Like, the way he was kind of able to move to get to the second level in a way that Dewan Jones cannot. You know, Dewan Jones wasn't pulling. Dewan Jones isn't moving around. He's not a motion tackle. Uh, Paris Johnson, with that size, he's six foot six. he's 3'13", he carries it really, really lean, mm-hmm. but he's able to get good punch. He's got really good feet. Um, he... His hands are not quite as good as Dewan Jones, but he does get him on you. He is still very strong, especially for a man of his size. The limitation that De- that Paris Johnson has right now, and I think this is just technical, he is susceptible to inside moods, inside moves on speed rushers. Inside moods. Like, I don't want to go yeah. anywhere today. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's susceptible, susceptible to depression. Uh, so he's susceptible mm. to an inside move. So if you set him up, set him up, set him up outside... Um, his arms are long. He's 36-inch uh, arms. Yeah, his yeah. arms are actually as long as, as uh, Dewan Jones, which is crazy. Um, smaller hands, but, you know, still really good punch. He gets out. He gets set. He, you know, he'll kick back, take two slides. But if you set him up, he has a hard time um, landing his hands early on pass rush. Mm. Um, in order to control speed rushers. So one of the things he'll do, it's, it's a little catchy. Um, which is very problematic. So yeah. he, he can get a little grabby, and when you make that move inside, especially on a spin move, he'll try to, like, grab you, and then because he's well-coached, he'll be like, no, I can't grab him, I'll get a fucking holding call. Uh, and then he basically gets beat to the inside on on speed rush and, and spins. So that's a limitation. I think that's coachable because other than that, you watch the way the guy sets up, you watch the way he gets to the second level, you watch the way he run blocks, pass blocks. He, he's excellent. You know, there's not a lot of questions there. He doesn't maul dudes. You know, he's not a guy that's, like, putting you in the fucking, you know, stadium seats. Mm. Uh, Every once in a while, you'll see it. If a guy's like, that's the thing. It's not consistent every play. 
you will see if a guy's like really challenging him and he gets a spot to just like turn the screws or give him the business, he will, which I like. Yeah. Um, my initial concern was that he was just a dancy left tackle, but there is some mean in the guy. Um, and that's pretty solid. So Dancy, though, you're talking about feet, and that makes the comparisons make a lot of sense. The NFL comparison for him is Brian O'Neill. That is my right tackle there for the Minnesota Vikings, who was, you know, playing some uh, tight end at Pitt when he had time in college sure. coming in. Uh, he's very mobile, and, he, and they love to use him in those screen games and stuff like that. So that's what you see in Paris Johnson. That's his positive sides is how good he yeah. can move. The Cowboys equivalent was uh, Doug Free. Okay. Uh, that was the guy way back in northern Illinois, uh, Doug Free. He played left tackle for a while, went over to right side. I think he is a true left tackle, Paris Johnson Jr. I think he is. Draft. I think oh, if he ahead. struggles, you can move him to the right side, no problem. Or you can move him inside to guard. I think he's a little too big for guard, um, but I think you can move him inside if you had to. I want to talk about where he's going, but the other comparison, Draft Buzz and Draft Network, talk about him as Charles Cross. We just saw drafted last year. I thought Charles Cross was longer. I thought yeah. Charles Cross was nastier, and I thought Charles Cross wasn't as developed technically. Okay. Um, so, yeah. But once again, Charles Cross was very mean at Mississippi State. Am I wrong? Yeah, Mississippi State right. went to the yeah. Seattle last year, I think at nine or mm-hmm. so. That's where he's about mocked. Honestly, he's not getting for tackle and for top tackle uh, or in that top group of three that I saw. He's getting mocked just outside a top ten. Now, maybe that's because we have so many quarterbacks that are going to get rushed up the board um, in belief that that's what will happen. I want you to do a little bit of comparison with these top few guys so far that we talked about, Dewan Jones, Paris Johnson Jr., with the guys who came in last year, uh, Icky, uh, Neil, Cross. Those were our top three tackles who went top ten last year. Do you see these guys comparable? Paris Johnson is closer to Neil. Okay. And you um, liked uh, Iquano the most last year. I NC did. States. I did. Yeah. But I also thought Iquano was more consistently mean, you know, throughout the entire thing. Oh, sure. I also thought he wasn't as developed or refined technically in pass pro as Paris Johnson is. I thought he was a physical monster, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't think he was quite as developed. I actually think Dewan Jones is better than Ikem Iquano coming out. Oh, okay, great. But Iquano did also did not get an elite grade from us. That's right, that's right. Dewan Jones isn't either. Okay, so there we are. We got two so far, Dewan Jones, Paris Johnson Jr., both tackles from Ohio State coming into the draft this year. Well, obviously, then, they're going to be very hard at blocking whatever quarterback they have next year, throwing to whatever wide receiver. You know, Ohio State's going to have to take a few years to rebuild, right? Uh, no, they're fully That's not how NCAA works. That's right. <laughs> All right, so from here... Uh, I'm going to pick one of the other two guys in that big three that I see happen here. And uh, for me, I'll go with the hometown boy. Well, hometown. I don't know where he actually grew up, but close to us here in Northwestern. Is it Peter Skaronsky? Uh He's actually born in Park Ridge. Oh, so hometown. it is quite close then. Is yeah, he your number close. two? He is my number four. Oh, well, then I know who your number two is. Do you want to talk about your two now or Skaronsky? Let's talk about my number two. We pit, let's we jumped over him once. Let's not jump over him twice. It is uh, Broderick, Broderick Jones. Jones. Broderick Jones. So out of, out of Georgia. In my mocks, um, it is Paris Johnson, Speedus Gronsky, and Broderick Jones. Those are the big three this year, and those are the three that everybody, all of these websites, when I look at it, mock draft database and the NFL draft buzz and draft network, all of their order has those three a break, and then Dewan Jones and two other guys. So, I'm 
when we talk Peter Skaronsky, it's mostly going to be me shit talking him. Okay. All right. Well, that makes sense. Because um, you said you have a guy in the second round. These are your first round guys, Broderick Jones. Yeah. So Broderick Jones, redshirt sophomore. So coming out as early as he could. Uh, six foot five, three eleven. A lot of pop. A lot of power. Ran a sub five forty. Athletically, just a fucking freak. Absolute freak. Mm-hmm. Um. Broderick Jones, huge hands, long enough arms, going to make it happen. Um, the big thing for me is he has no athletic limitations. None whatsoever. Has the size, power, strength, feet to do everything. All the problems I see with him are not engagement problems, right? They are read and recognition issues. Oh, okay. Right? They're it's when he like Yeah, it's teachable stuff. Like He doesn't handle stunts very well. But when he gets, but that's only because he doesn't recognize them before they're there. Well, and he's one of the youngest guys coming in in this position, right? He's a sophomore coming in. He's a young dude. He hasn't had a ton of time at elite competition. Once again, he's playing in the SEC. So, you know, and they did win two consecutive national championships. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah, he's doing all right on the offensive line there. Um, But it's, it's just he doesn't filter out when you get him in motion. Uh, which, once again, that's not... Like, you usually use guards for that. They use tackles for this sort of thing. He doesn't filter well on, like, stretch runs. He's like, I, he doesn't really know who to block. Mm. You know, if you say, hey, block that fucking guy, he does it, and it's great. Um, if you say, hey, get in space and, you know, take out the number one threat, he's like, ah, who is that? <laughs> Just <laughs> figure out who that is for me. Um, he has this weird thing. Um, where the way we talked about uh, Paris Johnson being susceptible to inside moves and being set up on spins, yeah. uh, Broderick Jones tends to drop his helmet when engaging for punch. So when so it's a weird tell. You mean so like he takes it off, throws it to the ground, and then punches people. Yeah. What's this? Yeah, no. he does. It's uh, you know, he Sorry. got being <laughs> he silly. spent most of the most of the season on the sideline for penalties. <laughs> um. When when he's going to engage and you know yeah. he's going to basically like drop it on you or he's he thinks a bull rush is coming he will drop his head and when he drops his head you might be able to hear if you're listening to the podcast later that I'm dropping my head away <laughs> from the microphone and he'll do that as kind of like a brace but then he gets himself off balance and he can be he can kind of overpunch because yeah. he's not he's like doing an expectation rather than a reaction. He's physically capable of just reacting to it, but sometimes he gets a little over his toes, drops his head, and tries to push and punch. And then a savvy defensive end or savvy pass rusher will be able to use that against him, you know, get his hands in a spot that aren't beneficial uh, to Broderick Jones and kind of get around him. Yeah. The uh, only comparison down for him was the one on NFL.com that I found, which was Andrew Thomas. Um, I, I mean, I actually... Yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I, I think Charles Cross is slightly better, you know, um, in terms of just being a fucking freak athlete, like being really, really strong, being really, really fast. Not as long and lean as Charles Cross was, but uh, I think probably a better run blocker gets his ass under him a little bit more in the run game. So, yeah, I like him. I, I still see this guy as like a top 20, top 25 pick pretty easily. Um, but I, I really like Broderick Jones, and so much of it is coaching. Like he's a physical physical freak athletically gifted no questions physically athletically it just co- is coaching to me the so 
Um, yeah, they believe the Mocs have uh, in that, that group of three. Like w- Teams that are looking for tackles, looking to shore up an outside blocker, are going to look for Paris Johnson, Broderick Jones, or the next guy out of Northwestern we're going to talk about. And then they're projecting them to teams up there like number 11, the Titans, heck, even 9, Chicago now, and then 13, yeah. the Jets. Um you know stuff like that. To, well, the Jets have put a lot of offensive lineman draft picks lately in there. Mackay Beck, Elijah Vera Tucker, Vera Tucker. Do they still need another tackle like uh, Broderick Jones? Well, who knows if Beckton's ever going to play again? Good point. Good point. That was unfortunate. Um, okay, so Broderick Jones, though number two. Um, yep. Yeah. So that's where I'm seeing the mocks, though, is those three guys. Not uh, far off with Skaronsky. Skaronsky's up there amongst all of them. You are saying not a first round talent. Not only not a first-round talent, can't play tackle in the NFL. Okay, so the uh, write-up for him on NFL.com said something like that. There's a prospect guy. What do they say? It's a uh, scout. Uh, what's the quote? Executive for an NFC team says he's a pro bowler at guard, but just an average tackle if a team keeps him there. So... I thought a little bit ago, another Northwestern product, Rashawn Slater. Yes. Right? We talked about Rashawn Slater. Who was um, a, an elite, I thought. Uh, he was an elite. Yeah. And I was like, this guy can play guard. I was like, but he's elite no matter where you go. Like, he'll be a functional left tackle. It turns out he's a very good left tackle in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. Skaronsky is orders of magnitude worse than him. Um, oh, no. There's a few things. And I, I just want to point out two games. If you get a chance, go back and watch the Ohio State film. It is a fucking mess. And watch the Penn State film. It is a fucking mess. He is overmatched at every turn. The guy, like, you can tell he's technically fine. Like, he's technically good. His feet are in the right spot. His hands are in the right spot. He is getting overpowered and outrun. And that's something you cannot have at the left tackle position. That can never happen at the college level for you to be overmatched and outrun, maybe by like an elite athlete. But he's taken all comers from Penn State and Ohio State, and he's struggling Hmm. badly. You know, people say, oh, well, you know, he kind of handled, what's his nuts, last year kid from Michigan, uh, almost defensive rookie of the year. What's his name? It's killing me. From Michigan. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're talking to Aiden Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, so I watched the film on Hutchinson uh, versus Skaronsky last year. He's got a tight end chip on every fucking play. Oh. You know, people are like, it oh, helps. you did pretty well. You got yeah. a fucking tight end chip on every play. <laughs> like, you know, I couldn't play left tackle against Aiden Hutchinson with that, but I think most people probably could. <laughs> so when he's put up against truly elite competition, they know he needs help. And that's something you cannot have at the left tackle position. It's probably something you can't have at the right tackle position, especially because this guy's arms are super fucking short and he will get grabby. Yeah. He is, and we've talked about this technically, this technique that I do not like. I don't like catch blockers. We've talked about this a little bit. I like guys that engage, punch, stay flat-backed, and dance rather than kick back create a base for themselves and then wait for the defensive player to engage. Yeah, you want to hit him. I first. like proactive blockers. Yeah. Peter Skaronsky is not a proactive blocker on pass sets. Mm. And I think that is a huge liability for him. Um so I'm making a, a little list here as we talk about these prospects and I'm putting them in the orders that you do them. Um right now we have a 
a separation of the offensive line from interior and exterior here, uh, tackles and the centering guards. Would you move Skaronsky into that list of interiors? I would. After watching the film, I don't think he could play tackle at the next level. And where so would you I put would, him? I'd move him inside to guard. I no, mean, I, mean, I think... Sorry, in the order. Is he after... I'm assuming he's after Torrance and Schmitz. It doesn't sound like you care for him too much there. He's after Torrance and he's after Schmitz, but then he's in that second round grade. Like, it's hard because he didn't really play any guard at Northwestern. Right. But the things you can see... I mean, the NFL.com analogy for him right. was Zach Martin, yep. which is... Very disrespectful to Zach Martin. Um, per, I, after I did the, so I did the scouting, and I was like, man, this guy can't play tackle. I wonder who they're comparing him to. Yeah, you know, thinking to myself, oh, maybe it's like a Joel Batonio or can, something. Can like I that. give you, you the know, other maybe, ones after you? Yeah, sure. Uh, for Draft Network, they said Justin Pugh. Uh, who's a guard? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, that's that's fine. That's fine. My number one, my number one parallel that shot to my mind is Jonah Williams. No, who you also believe is a guard, yeah. Well, and, and, and I believe he was a guard when he came guard out. Too? Zach Martin moved to guard, but Zach Martin, when he played in Notre Dame, was like, Listen. he was a fucking really good tackle. Right, right, right. You know, um, he's a really good tackle, but everybody's like, if you move inside, you're going to murder people, and that was true. Draft buzz said uh, Bernhardt Raidman for Colts. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's that's fine. You know, it's like, but he, he cannot play tackle. He just can't. He's not long enough. He doesn't handle speed rush well enough. He doesn't handle power rush well enough. Would you he doesn't take handle him? guys converting speed to power well. Joe Tipman, he's a center, so I guess that makes it hard to choose there, but would you take him over Tipman or does it just come down to I would to take what? him over Tipman. You would? I would take him over Tipman. I think he's just better than Tipman in terms of... So we've been talking shit, right? Because yeah. I see Skaronsky as like a... You know, they're like, oh, well, he's got a fucking, you know, top 10 grade. That shit drives me insane when I watch film and I don't see it. So I get really negative about guys like this, but he's still a second round draft pick. So I want to talk about one of the things he does really well. Sure. Um, excellent positioning, excellent rerouting. Um, like he understands where every play is going. He understands how to get his man into the right position on almost every run play. So he knows how to use his body, his opponent's body, his hands, his feet, and his body position to create running lanes uh, for his running back, which is excellent. He understands how to dance and set. He doesn't know necessarily how to handle like solid fucking like pass rush, like bull rush pass rushers because he's just not strong enough, honestly. Uh, but he's a phenomenal run blocker. Great in zone. Like I think he could be a zone guard that is very, very good. Like he'd be a big, strong zone guard. Does that make sense? Yeah, and so what doesn't, I guess, make a lot of sense here is if everybody is saying this guy's probably going to be a guard, that why is he getting mocked up with the other left tackles like Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson? So I'm surprised somebody's going to take him up there, and then maybe we're going to see if they decide to just shift him over to guard, but it does seem too early to take a guy that you just move inside for. I just think you have too much, like... If you're saying, hey, I need a guard, it's the last thing I need, then my offensive line is set. Mm -hmm. I don't think Peter Skaronsky is going to wash out of the league. I think he's too technically proficient to not play in the league for like eight years. Whether he's going to be a Pro Bowl level starter, I don't know. But he seems like a guy that is technically proficient, has enough strength, has enough punch is good enough in a run game that he'll stay on a roster for a real long time. Okay, But I just don't think he's going to be excellent. All right. Um, so that 
wraps up, yeah, like I said, those big three in there. And then the big three in the next one includes Dewan Jones, one of the guys that we didn't list in ours to uh, deep dive. Uh, has the uh, name that you would have, Dan, if a multiverse existed and another one of you existed, played tackle. Darnell Wright out of Tennessee. He is coming up around Dewan Jones and around the next guy that I know we're going to talk about. But first, did you look at all at Darnell Wright? I know we're not going to deep dive him. Uh, I didn't look too much at Darnell Wright because uh, I'm going to see him at my family reunion and ask him how he feels. Oh, okay. So you guys Uh, are related. Great. Yeah, we're good old buddies. Um, so he played on that, that Tennessee offense, right? And yeah. he was pretty fucking locked up. He did really, really well. Yeah. Um, he's getting projected yeah. around late first round around those guys. The other guy that is getting projected around them and Dewan Jones, who you love Anton Harrison at Oklahoma. I think that's your next, uh, Anton Harrison is my next because Anton Harrison is in my mind, an actual tackle left or right side. Oh, okay. Swing. Yeah, he's a swing. You can make him left, you can make him right. I don't think he's got the athletic limitations that people talk about. Um, I don't think he's the best in the run game. I think he is another one of these guys that um, doesn't like anchor super well against pass rush, but he's very fast. He'll dance with you. Um, I think a lot of that is coaching as well. I think he doesn't he doesn't really know how to anchor super well at the left tackle position, but I think if you get him running downhill, if you get him popping off on guys, getting his hands on people at the right side, I think it's going to be really good. Um, I don't think he's necessarily a guard. I don't know if he's a left tackle right now. I think you can develop him. I think he's got the athletic profile to be able to develop into a pretty solid left tackle, but uh, I I just think you can start him on the right side and you get a pretty valuable dude. Yeah, so he's getting projected around, I think those we could kind of say the right side guys here, Anton mm-hmm. Harrison and Duant Jones. And uh, did Darnell Wright play right side? I'm not sure because we didn't really look at him too closely, but um, that's where they have this guy. Um, yeah, I I mean, 315, 6'4", he's kind of the same size as Skaronsky. Um, he, uh, his comparison is Deion Dawkins for NFL.com. That's the only one I found for him. Uh, who was the guy? Um, it was another USC guy. Uh, I it was I think Austin Jackson. Do you remember Austin Jackson out of USC? I went in the second round as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, went to Miami. That's kind of who he reminded me of. Where I'm like, okay, you've got the size, you've got the athleticism, you've got good enough hands, and I think your feet are okay. But like, I just don't know how good he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be a quality starter. Um, I think he's going to be able to stay on that right side. I just don't know if he's ever going to be able to make the move to left tackle. Well, and you said maybe three guys in the first round, one second, and then third round. So this guy's a third round guy in your eyes? I think he's a very early third rounder. They've um, got him. Yeah, once again. Earlier than that, yeah. Like some even late first round here. So they have him like as the 32nd in, in order here, but his projection is even could go to Pittsburgh at 17, like early for Anton I Harrison. think that's too high. Yeah. I think that's way too high. It's way too high to take a guy that doesn't profile out to be a left tackle or an elite guard set. It's the same reason why Skaronsky drops. I would be shocked to see Anton Harrison go in the second round. Yeah. Um, we've got, I guess, two other guys to discuss. You talked about adding a guy, and I think that guy probably comes out around now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cody Mosh, North Dakota State. Yep. Cody Munch, North Dakota State. Um, 
I if this dude had a fucking like Scandinavian accent, it'd be perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Heard of heard Viking time. We talk, I mean, I only brought up like what Michael Mayer looked like so far, and all these prospects things. But yeah, everybody, look at what Cody Mosh looks like. Uh, you'll see Just it in the draft. I do hope yourself they use a the favor. Same picture, out of North Dakota State. So it's a smaller school. Uh, I don't know what it is about red-haired guys coming from North Dakota State, uh, Carson Wentz, you know. But here we are, another one. Yeah, he's a ginger. He's a mean ginger, though, man. He's a mean ginger. Yeah. Um, it's you know, long hair, playing wild, real, real mean. Played uh the tackle position at North Dakota State, but another one of those short-armed guys. Um, and at six five is actually kind of a lean three o two. Um, watching the Senior Bowl, he played like the entire practices with his belly like basically in a belly shirt um and so you're just like okay this is a fucking lunatic person this is great um but he was it was really fun i mean watching him uh run block was excellent watching him pass block at the like at the tackle position was pretty he struggled he struggled with speed um got a really good anchor though at the guard position on like interior bull rush i thought he handled that very very well and I, I think he's going to be a pretty good guard in the NFL. I just don't see any tackle capabilities after after watching him. But once again, this is a guy that played his entire college career as a tackle. Yeah. Um, and then in the NFL, we're like, eh, I, I think we're probably going to go a different way. Another one of these guys, like you're talking Skaronsky. Look, um, it is a, uh, it, it's a, it's a theme that happens of uh, drafting a tackle and moving him inside. The Vikings did it with Ezra Cleveland. He was tackle in uh, Boise State and has never played tackle for us since coming to Minnesota. He's been our guard. He took over as starting guard, I think, during his rookie year. So, yeah, you can do that. And the tackle guys seem to be able to make that move easier than the other way, moving a guard to tackle, I guess. You know, that you don't see that happen yeah. nearly as much. But, yeah, so where would you draft Cody Motch? Um let me make a guess here of where the mocks are having him. If we're talking interior, and that's honestly where they're mocking him, they have him ahead of Tipman, and I would think, in your eyes, ahead of Skaronsky. Uh I actually don't have him ahead of Skaronsky. I have him mid-third round. Oh, okay. So is that after Tipman and Skaronsky then? Grade. It's after Tipman, after Skaronsky, and after Anton Harrison. Uh, what about Andrew Voorhees? Um... The injury uh, yeah, and he's, stuff, yeah. Yeah, Voorhees is one of those guys where it just depends on how you feel about the knee. Um, but yeah, Cody Mouch, if you're like, hey, I need a guy right now this year, I think he's he's like a dead equivalent with, with Voorhees. Okay. Put him ahead of him just because he's not injured. Um, all right, well, then that leaves us with just the one left uh, who was on the list from the beginning, the guy out of Syracuse, Matthew Bergeron. So Bergeron is another guy that, People were like, uh, maybe he's gonna have to slide inside a guard in Syracuse, but I don't, I don't think he will have to do that. Um, I think a lot of this is a guy that play like he's from Canada. You know, this is a fucking Canadian kid. He's a little dancy to move inside and play guard. I think this is a guy that you can say physically has the capabilities to play right tackle in the NFL. Probably needs a little bit of seasoning. Probably needs a little bit of technique work but from as far as like a physical profile that you can build a right or a left tackle out of I think he's got it um but I I wouldn't take him anything above the fourth round because I don't know how much you're going to get out of him this year um because all of his 
technique stuff is is not great, you know. But when you get him in a, a down running situation or when you get him just athletically lined up with anybody, I think he's got what you're looking for at the tackle position. I just don't know if he can play in the NFL this year. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of talk about moving him inside. The only prospect, though, that he is m- compared to on NFL.com's is Joel Batonio, who did play mostly inside, right? Maybe. He did, but I, I think this guy could play on the outside. I think he could be a pretty good right or left tackle, I th- or at least a serviceable swing. Yeah. Um. You know, that's just the way I see him going. Cool. All right. Well, so what we had here is about seven guys we talked about in terms of offensive tackle, but we come away with about only five that you would trust to play the position. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Yeah. You know, we – so once again, we put together this list months ago. You know, of yeah. like, hey, these are our tackles. These are our, you know, this is like in January. And then as you're watching the film, as, you know, you just have to make those decisions. You go, I don't know if this guy's a tackle. I think this guy's a guard. And so, you know, with uh, with Mouch and with Skaronsky, I think they're going to slide inside. I think everybody else has tackle potential. And that puts us at about 33, if I'm counting correctly, prospects so far discussed on the Push Out Podcast as we lean up to the NFL Draft. As you see, these uh, um, episodes are coming a little bit quicker. So we missed a week, and we've got the entire defense left to talk about after we hit what next week, Dan? We are going to be hitting the running backs. Mm-hmm. Now, the running backs, this is you know interesting. Um, back when I think me and Dan first fell in love with the NFL Draft, we were watching a lot of early running backs taken. I remember when... Mm-hmm. Uh, Top draft pick, one of my very first draft memories was seeing top draft pick taken by the Cincinnati Bengals. Kajana Carter. Kajana Carter, yeah. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be a Kajana Carter. Yeah, and then he uh, got hurt right away, barely played. But, um, no, yeah, the the top running back draft pick stuff, that's fallen off. But um, from what I see, there is a guy that is getting a lot of attention and is probably moving up. It's it's hard to ignore him because he's got a lot yep. of talent, and then there's a handful of other guys that are coming from big schools that you know are going to jump in and produce immediately. We we are kind of talking potential rookie of the years. So it it's getting harder and harder to do that though. Even if yeah. you're a really yeah. good rookie running back, it's harder and harder to be a rookie of the year because you know we want wide receivers. We're looking for those dudes. Mm-hmm. You know, offensive rookie of the year tends to go to wide receivers or quarterbacks. Um, it's just, it just is the way it goes. It's never an offensive lineman, despite several times it probably should have been. Good point. Um, good point. You know, but it is, it is an interesting thing as we move more away from, you know, the power running game, the running backs actually are probably better now (laughs) than they were 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, in terms of like being complete players, guys that can do pass pro, can, you know, uh, catch the ball out of the backfield, can run between the tackles, Running can routes, run to the outside. Yeah, yeah. Motion yeah, and stuff outside. to whether or not you're in man coverage. Yeah, all that stuff they got to do now. Yeah, these are these are absolutely dudes that are, um, you know, kind of built to be more effective players in the NFL. There's just not that focus for the, for the running back anymore. Exactly. But, uh, you know, then again, um, I just looked up the offensive uh, rookies of the year. Uh, last one, offensive rookie of the year, was Saquon Barkley. Okay. Uh, back in 2018. Before that, it was Alvin Kamara. 
Those but guys were taken very every early. other one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Almost every other one of them. You know, Todd Gurley, Eddie Lacy. So when we're talking about running backs, we are uh, talking Adrian first Peterson, round draft picks too. Yeah. Yeah. You're generally, so you can get an offensive rookie of the year, but how many of these dudes are still playing at an elite level? Saquon Barkley just got signed to a non-exclusive franchise tag. Alvin Kamara may be going to prison. Read on uh, uh, a Reddit recently too. Somebody pointed out the fact that Adrian Peterson won one playoff game his entire NFL career. Like that's the sort of stuff you're like, oh my God, that's right. Like as good as he was, what did it turn into? Super Bowl wins? No. Playoff wins? Yeah. Not even, you know? It took Brett Favre coming over in his old bones to do that. So Yeah. Uh, and I told you he was the greatest runner of the football I've ever seen. Peterson, and it still yeah. holds to that. And then yeah, and that's was he ended it with. But okay, so folks, let's wrap it up here. Uh thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Push Off Podcast. When we come back, we will wrap up the offensive prospects with running backs and then head into defense for April. Uh and we get ready for the draft, and then we'll we'll be discussing it uh, with you guys as we plan to be there live in Kansas City, watching these guys get picked off the board. Um, all right, Dan, time to wrap this game this game up, this show up with some crazy stats. I uh, used up the whole thing about guessing the position thing with ta- with offensive linemen last time, so I've got a new one here. This is a uh, a, a quiz for you. Okay. Can you name any of the quarterbacks? I, I'll give you a top. There's. I've got the top five most passing yards over a five-game span ever. Oh, Dak Prescott did it twice. That's right. Dak Um, Prescott's done it. And do you know, so what's funny about Dak Prescott's one, he did it twice and he did it the exact same amount of yards. 1,993 yards. And it was back-to-back years, 2019 to 2020 season. And then the the following season, he did it again. Yeah, he's, he's, been on some fucking hot streaks, I will tell you that much. Um, but that's just good enough say, for the fourth and third place. Or I uh, guess I'm going to say Drew Brees and place. Matt Stafford. That's the other two. Look, Drew Brees did it twice in his career, and Matt Stafford won. So Stafford is second place. 2019 yards was enough for second place. Brees, fifth place with 1,981 yards. That was in 2012-2013. The year previous that is the record, 2000. 36 yards in five games. He did that. Drew Brees did that 2011 to 2012. You know what's really nice? Two out of three of those guys have one Super Bowl. I sure would love if three out of three of those guys could go one Super Bowl. We're talking five positions and just three quarterbacks hold those. That's pretty impressive too. All right, that's what I had for crazy stats. Dan, uh, why don't you end this with some parting words of wisdom? We are going to be dealing with a lot of players uh, coming up here, the NFL draft. But I do want to remind you, and I'll, I'll actually put a little bit of a feeler out because we don't talk too much about next year. We're very focused, you know, streamlined. Uh, we had two guys at the beginning of this that wound up going back to school. So if you get a chance and you want to hold us to our word, uh, Zion Nelson out of Miami and Turner Corcoran out of Nebraska, uh, get some get some looks at those guys because we might be talking about them early on next year as well in this tackle class. Or do they do they pull one of those, what was it, Will Mallory tight end stuff, fall out into like a second, third round because they decided to stay. It's rolling the dice. The way, we're talking about them. We'll be talking about them next year. Yeah, and it's a little bit different when you pick the college uh, now because you can get some money. <laughs> you don't have Very true. immediately. Why not to. stay? Yeah, why not stay? Uh, all right, guys. Thank you for joining us uh, to talk about the tackles here for another episode of the Push Off Podcast. We love doing these, so we'll be back shortly for another one. To know when we're back, subscribe so that your phone can just tell you. I'm Scott. This is Dan. Have a great one. We'll see you next time. Goodbye.